0: Good afternoon, everybody. I don't know why it's saying, but I just got a message saying, all right, now we're good. LinkedIn wasn't, we weren't live on LinkedIn. I got a message. So good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Security Squawk podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Horning. I have with me Ryan O'Hara, Randy, Brian, Reginald, Andre. Uh, We all own uh, IT and cybersecurity companies around the country, and we're here to bring you some education on what's going on out there, uh, you know, with this war in in Russia, right? And all the things that are happening around cybersecurity and cyber attacks uh, when it comes to this stuff, um, because there's a lot going on. We were kind of talking in the green room. Randy mentioned that this is one of those things that's really the first major war that we've had where there's cyber attacks and cybersecurity is a component of it. So we're going to dive into a bunch of different things that are happening as a result of this today. So before we do, how are you gentlemen?
1: Good. Does All anybody right. else like jam out to the entrance music? Uh, yeah, of, of course. We
0: can- I like the message of the right.
2: intro music. We- Tell we need something new.
0: We need it. We need it. We need exit music. That's the thing there we need go. to work on. Right. We don't have right.
2: that. So that's just make okay. one that says, we told you something new. <laughs> <laughs> we told you something new.
3: <laughs> it's I great to be here today. We're I've got a lot
2: to talk about, man. We're, we're excited. Yeah. yeah. What's up, Andre? How are you? Good, good. I think
3: we all can just record that at the end. We'll just sing it and then just record it. And it. <laughs> we told you something new. I don't know. I don't
2: know. I didn't sign up for singing. I don't know if anybody wants that. That's- so you, everybody, everybody can sing. You just you might need a glass of wine or something like that, but everybody can sing.
0: <laughs> so Randy, what's uh what's the fee for the show? What's the what? For, what's the fee to, to listen to our
2: show? Tell everybody what the fee is. Oh, the fee. Well, yeah, the, the fee, fee is the fee is that we ask you to share the show. Uh, comment wherever you see it posted. It's on all the major podcast platforms. And also, if you see it, like, if you have the ability, subscribe to it, whether that's uh, whatever platform that's on, if you're watching on YouTube. Um, Just like, share, subscribe, and help us get the word out. That is our fee, if you will. Yep, share the show. Thank you very much,
0: Randy. I appreciate it because I always go into that so i like it when somebody else does it so anything else you guys want to talk about randy you want to talk about the weather like what do you want to talk about <laughs> i know you said you wanted to do some some intros so i think we've gonna... introed man i'm ready to You're dive intro'd? in all right we're, we're that's good i didn't know if you wanted to do like a 30 second commercial or something <laughs> no. <for each> <laughs> like that. so all right so reason we wanted to pick this topic today obviously we have russia who invaded ukraine and God knows how censored this podcast is going to get, you know, on the various social media channels. But we're going to we're not going to censor anything in, in our and what we say and, and the names we bring up. Um, but Russia decided to invade Ukraine and it started off with some cyber attacks. Uh, Russia uh, cyber attacked the Ukrainian government and some banks. Um, and that was kind of the start of the invasion And things have kind of maybe tailed off in that respect a little bit, but it's picked up in other areas. And Randy has some insight that he wants to share. Um, He's got some information about some of the things that are going on out there. And then we're going to kind of break this down for you guys. So you understand like what this all means. You may hear high level on the news, like cyber attacks and things happening, but what are they actually doing? So we're going to break that down for you today and kind of Help you understand what these guys are actually doing and, and how they're trying to, um, you know, sometimes brute force their way into companies and sometimes use social engineering and, and backdoor techniques to trick their them, their way in. So, Randy, what do you got?
2: Well, um, I've uh, discussed with some people in, in the industry we're seeing um, as of last Wednesday, when this stuff started going down, saw basically a doubling of, of attacks of failed logins, of firewall failed logins, um, Office 365, Microsoft 365 failed logins, but almost instantly on Wednesday saw a doubling of attacks that have remained sustained since then. My, my thoughts on this is they're probably gonna, going to try to use Bitcoin you know, that they get from ransomware and things like that um, to finance this war um, on the Russian side. Um, Also, um, I I read a Facebook uh, press release today that says they're seeing a lot of potential attacks against people that are of significant importance in Ukraine uh, coming from Russia, where they're either trying to get in through their 365. uh, Once they get into 365, they want to somehow get onto the computer, um, where they can get into uh, the Facebook account um, and then be able to do uh, propaganda and stuff like that. I think Ryan was mentioning earlier how this this is really different, this war, um, because we're going to see a lot of this stuff out in the uh, out in the open because of our uh, our current world um, that we're living in.
1: Yeah. One of the things that, that we were talking about is, it's you know, Traditionally, you know, within the United States, within North America in general, we, we haven't seen a war on this continent, you know, in a really long time since like the Civil War. And now, you know, so the, these, these uh, conflicts that have been going on in, in Europe and Asia, uh, you know, we didn't really have any of that personal, uh, you know, Exposure to that, but now with cyber, you know, we are, are exposed to this. So, so we are seeing these attacks um, that are that are coming, they're impacting businesses. Um, and I think the other thing that that's important for small businesses to understand is, is kind of how these things go. They're they're not in some in many cases targeting specific businesses. They're just trying to log in wherever they can and look for that low hanging fruit and, and and capitalize from there. Sure, there's some targeted attacks where they're looking at specific people, but in a lot of cases, they're just spamming accounts and trying to log in and looking for uh, situations where MFA isn't enabled, where maybe there's credentials that are sitting out on the dark web that they can just use and start logging in and then, you know, do whatever they want with those accounts. So it's really important to make sure that those things are secured.
3: Yeah. And, yeah. and, and piggybacking on uh, what Ryan said, it's, it's about them just spraying. They're just trying. It's not. Yes, they're going to try to go after the Ukraine regions and other regions. But when they, they're looking for ports, they're looking for weak passwords and just by default, us here in America can fall for it as well, even if we weren't the original intention.
2: Yeah. You know, we've talked, it seems like we've seen more and more um, emphasis on targeted, but I think right now all that's kind of out the window and, you know, Hey, if in this spray, like Andre's talking about, if they, if they get ransomware, if they're able to get ransomware on, um you know, a plumbing company in Duluth, Minnesota, and be, and they're able to extract $10,000 out of them or $50,000 out of them. I mean, that's like a year's wages for, for somebody in their military. So yeah, I think we're going to see just an explosion of that. And, you know, looking to Looking to finance this effort over there.
1: Well, and the targeted attacks are the ones that typically make the news that, that you're going to see a lot, but but those are the minority. Most of the the attacks that are actually occurring are those small, low-level attacks. And, you know, if you think about it, you hit 10 small businesses that have next to no security and it's real easy versus you know that one large business where maybe you make the same amount ultimately, but it takes you three months to get in and and, and find your way around. So that, that low-hanging fruit's really uh where where the money's at. I guess they have to ask
2: themselves, what's their get out of bed price, right? Right. Or uh, for ransomware. <laughs> exactly.
1: I mean, ha- hackers are notoriously lazy, right? The, the more work they have to do, the you know, the, the more effort they have to put into it. The, the you know, they got to have a reason for that. You know, so mm-hmm. most of the time, they're they're doing that that net phishing attack where they're just you know spreading it out and seeing what they can find.
0: So, you know, you guys make good points there with you know these these hackers who are. You know, doing this stuff and making it making life miserable for everybody in Ukraine and around the world. So, I I know of a couple ransom or actually cyber attacks. We don't know if they're ransomware attacks. I know Bridgestone, um, the major tire manufacturer, and then I think Toyota overnight shut down some factories and some plants because of a cyber attack. I don't think we know exactly who or what the cyber the details, if it's ransomware, if it's just some kind of a network breach where, um, like we saw with, you know, maybe the two or three cyber attacks in January and February, where they just got in and stole data and then threatened, you know, wanted money that way. There was no ransomware deployed, um, which is a tactic that we're starting to see. Um, so what do you guys, like, what do you guys really think? I know Randy mentioned kind of in, in his mind, a lot of this could potentially fund what they're doing. Um, but we're also seeing, like, we can't be blind to the fact that certain payment systems are shut down. Mm-hmm. Does that put more of an emphasis on on Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin being used to, you know, A, conduct normal transactions, but also, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are going to need to pay the for these cyber attacks to get out of these jams. And I think that that's what people need to understand they need to understand that you know normal ways of getting money to these individuals are are no longer there so they're going to force you to use things like bitcoin when and and other attacks you can you can pay in other ways and i don't think that's going to be the case anymore so what do you what do you guys think in terms of the financial aspect of this outside of maybe russia funding the war like what do you guys think the impacts are going to be long term for either bitcoin or businesses in general because i only see the number that these guys ask for going up because they're going to feel like they got a strike when they're in there and when the iron's hot and i just see that this stuff is going to increase and increase um you know over the next year because of this war so
1: I think there's a couple elements here. So, so I, I certainly think that there's there's some groups out there that are going to take take uh, the, the the proceeds that they're getting out of these attacks and funnel it towards war efforts. Uh, but I also think that there are a lot of, of independents that are going to use this as an excuse to just go crazy and, and make more money for themselves as well. So um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, there's just so much noise out there, you know, related to this, you know, there's cyber attacks for Ukraine, there's cyber attacks, for, you know, Russia, um, where, where, you know, these, these other groups can kind of go under the radar as well. And they may not have anything to do with it, but they use that as a, uh, you know,
2: a means of getting in, you know, take advantage of the confusion. I, I think this is going to push like my, my guess is that over the next few months, this is going to push Bitcoin and crypto cryptocurrency to the front burner. We're going to see more, like we thought, we thought everybody knew about Bitcoin, I think it's going to make it even more prominent because in the middle of all these embargoes and, you know, hacking and banks getting to where they can't be a part of the SWIFT payment system and this and that, like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency works and all that, yet yeah, it's really hard to use crypto when you're on the ground in the middle of a war zone trying to buy a loaf of bread, you know, but in in situations where you have internet and can have internet access. I think it's going to push it to be being more, more prominent than it's ever been. Um, And, you know, like the pandemic pushed work from home and the pandemic is, you know, mostly over, it seems or whatever. I don't want to get into all that, but, you know, work from home stayed and maybe this war is going to push cryptocurrency into the into the more in the forefront and the war goes away and cryptocurrency is still going to stay in the forefront. That's my that's my my guess on this.
3: I would also add, if you look at the economy of Russia and how their stock market and their 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 version of the dollar is going down, you now have you know twenty something year old people, thirty something year old people that are out of jobs, and now you probably have a a government that's going to say, here are the tools. You have internet access. Go blast. Go after Toyota. Go after whoever you want as part of their as as they're worrying about the actual physical war, they're going to be probably getting their citizens to now go on the cyber war as well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Cause I know that like, I just read an article that Conti had like an internal breakup kind of issue and, and they were a pretty successful and big hacking group. So it'll be interesting. I think we're also going to see the breakup and reformation and formation of new groups and things like that. Um, But let's get into kind of, let's switch gears a little bit. And, um, you know, Randy, you mentioned the cloud services and the firewalls being scanned and probed and and things like that. So um, do you guys have any thoughts on like, okay, they're hammering away on like everybody's pretty much either on you know, if you if you have a business domain email, you're probably either using Google or Office 365 at this point for your email services. And they're banging away on Google just as much as they're banging away on Office 365 to try to get into your email. And there's a reason they're trying to get into your email. And I kind of want to bring perspective and and let people know why that is. Um so they understand like, well, why would somebody wanna get into my email, right? Or why would somebody wanna create a fake social media account with my name, right? And like, what, what, what is the social engineering technique behind, which usually leads to ransomware or some kind of malware, but what are they trying to do? Why are they trying to get into these accounts or create these accounts um, on their own, you know, fake accounts? what what is the purpose of them and what do they serve in the attack vector oh, anyone want to I mean
1: information is power at this point so so it's it's just like any large-scale attack that you would think of normally, it's, you, know, you get in, you, you get your intelligence first, and then you decide what what advantages you have. So, getting into somebody's email, for example, you know, you take a look, you see what's going on, you know, then then you can start impersonating people and transacting business, uh, intercepting uh, you know wire transfers, changing bank accounts, things like that. So, having that information, I mean, you, you and, and again, a lot of times this isn't targeted, so they're just getting in there to see. What opportunities are there? Right. Right. And looking at that information and figuring out where they go and and where the attack goes from there.
0: Sure. I mean, simple kind of OSINT research, right? Where where Mm -hmm. you're just looking for information that's freely available out there on the internet. If I can get access to somebody's email account, I could go to their social media, see who they're friends with, potentially harvest their email addresses. And then, you know, you you guys you know if i sent you guys an email you're more likely to trust that email if you do kind of your cursor each cursory check of hey it's, it's brian's name brian's email address that's you know that's his domain um looks legit but why is he sending me this link and why does he want me to click on it right if you're not asking yourself those types of questions as you go through the anything somebody sends you going to become a victim of of one of these attacks because that's exactly what they're trying to do they're getting into your email they're creating fake instagram and facebook accounts and trying to trick your friends into using the trust that you have with them into doing something that you know they probably shouldn't be doing like clicking on a link opening an attachment or or what have you and this is why they're banging on everybody's email account because once they get into one email account you have a contacts list, they can go through your whole contacts list and send everybody an email from your account um, that points to a web server or website that they set up that has, you know, malware or some kind of payload on it. So,
1: And that's assuming that account isn't an admin account. So how many times have we seen it where, you know, standard users have admin privileges? So you get access mm-hmm. to that account and then all of a sudden you can create new mailboxes. Right. You've got all sorts of access to do any number of things.
2: Yeah, I'm, I, I would... Um... To add to what you guys said, um, definitely agree with everything y'all said, but also um, to answer your question, Brian, I think yeah. in this particular case, um, based off what y'all said, so we've got psychological operations. Um, I think that we're going to have to get into a mindset when there is a war, you, you know, if, if they, they shoot a rocket at a apartment building, that makes the news. It gets blasted all over the world and it's horrible PR. But if they come after XYZ plumbing company in downtown Duluth and, and, and attack them um, that that's not going to be bad as far as, you know, war, war PR goes, that's going to be considered accept, acceptable. So I think we're going to have to get used to this idea that when there's a war, All of our businesses are going to be at more risk than they've ever been, because if they can get ransomware on 100,000 businesses, they're going to shut down the economy or they're going to make a big dent in our economy. We need the economy to be able to fight a war. So um, I think we're going to see more of that, Brian, in answer to your uh, to your question. And I think going back to that email gives them access to information. They can also use it um, to get access to your computer. Um, and if they get access to your computer through malware that they deliver to the email um, or your phone, um, then they can control those and do them for whatever uh, they, you know, they want to do with it.
0: So we have, I threw up on the screen and we're going to talk about a couple different uh, situations that are going on as a result of this, but high level uh, from USA Today, we have Ukraine creates IT army of civilians to hack Russian websites and fight on the cyber front, right? So... This is kind of like, uh, you know, in response to what Russia was doing to the Ukraine uh, early on in the invasion. Now Ukraine is trying to recruit basically anybody in Europe who wants to help them uh, to go after Russian websites. And I know shortly after the invasion, the Russian military official website of the Russian military went down actually there's a little bit of a funny story behind it i'm not going to tell it here because it's a little technical and only nerds would find humor in it so um but it was clever what they what they ended up doing the website's still down we checked it before we went on we went live it was still down um so what do you guys know about kind of what's going what's going on are you aware of any specific situations where these kind of mercenary hackers uh have done something. I'm not aware of anything in particular, but other than what I mentioned already. So what do you guys know about this particular situation?
1: I haven't seen anything specific uh, as well, but I've seen a lot of stories where, I mean, you basically got a lot of um, sympathy. You got a lot of people who are are looking to help in any way that they can. And, And some of these folks have uh, the technical skills to to be able to to try and contribute in ways like this. So it's, it's really interesting to see, you know, whereas, you know, somebody in, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go back to Minnesota. I don't know why we're picking on Minnesota today, but, you know, you got, you got, a, a, you know, a, a programmer in Minnesota that really wants to help. And...
0: Did he die again? Uh-oh. Yep, he froze. Oh, my God. He needs to get a new computer.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if you're in Minnesota, just remember it is – even though with the war, it is illegal to do any of that. So if you are in Minnesota thinking that you have some programming abilities or you wanna to try to do a DDoS attack, it is illegal.
2: Yeah, um, I would say that this is a, a day late and a dollar short. Um, they should have created this this army months ago or years ago. And I don't know. Anyway, like I said earlier, this this is our new reality. Anytime we go into war, this is going to be huge going forward.
0: So I think so. What, they, what they're saying is that 237,000 people responded by joining a channel on the insta on the instant message service Telegram, um, which wow. I actually I actually saw this post on Twitter um, before this article was written, and it was funny because the guy was getting this Fedorov guy. He was getting blasted for using Telegram because it's a Russian service that's completely unencrypted and they were telling them to jump over to signal and do it on signal which i think they eventually did um do um but basically it's they're they're asking for them to help out with denial of service attacks they want Mm -hmm. them to be able to make it difficult for the russians to communicate Um, you know, whether you can do that to the military or not remains to be seen, but you can create, you know, you can create a lot of heartache or headaches for these people as they're trying to, um, conduct military operations. Right. And it's annoying. And I think that one of the things that we're learning in this whole scenario is that I think Uh, I don't know if this is true, but I'm starting to get the sense that Russia severely miscalculated the use of social media in this invasion and how much the Ukrainians were able to use social media to kind of achieve what they're achieving today. So on the flip side, we got the the Belarusian hackers. Uh, They, they started, they're, they're on Russia's side and now they're, um, starting to add their people to the list of people who are going to help in this, in this, uh, in this war. Welcome back, Roy. Um, I think so, like
1: one of those activist hackers didn't like me talking.
0: <laughs> so we got up uh, on the screen here, Roy, the Belarusian hackers. We're kind of flipping the script here a little bit and talking about the guys on the other side who are helping. Um, and, and it's just, we're just highlighting like all these different groups that are getting involved because, look, the reality of it is, and, and it's crazy that I'm about to say this, but you don't have to be out in the field sitting on train tracks with AK-47s to be doing what you're doing. You can be sitting in the covering of your mom's basement, um, you know, to be doing this stuff. And I don't know any hacker that uses a MacBook to hack, by the way. <laughs> so just want to point that out, cyber uh, but what do we know about this? Belarus, they're kind of on the not kind of they are on the Russian side, or Russia owns them. I don't know how you want to phrase it, but um, they decided, hey, we're going to help out too in this in this in this war, um, and they decided that you know their groups, uh, their countries, hackers and IT specialists, um, you know, are are basically saying that they are going to help out. Now, is it Belarusians attacking their own country because they sympathize with Ukraine or what's going on here?
1: Probably a little bit of both. I mean, I I think that's also something we're seeing in Russia. There's, there's a lot of public sentiment that, you know, are on the opposite side. They're against the war. So I think it's a little bit of both.
0: It is because I think that this, that the military of Belarus would probably aid Russia, but you know, Based on this article from CyberScoop, they're basically saying that there's, you know, basically these hacktivists in Belarus that are slowing down the invasion by, you know, they hacked the Belarusian railways. I mean, and um, trying to slow down the occupying forces and give Ukraine more time to repel the attack. So, Andre, do you know anything about this story
3: or, or, or Randy? No, yeah, you got it right. It's basically, they, they're just trying to slow down. They're not trying to create any type of accidents that will make the trail, trains derail or collide, but basically slowing down um, these trains that are uh, providing uh, most likely like military support as far as arms or, or any other materials that the military need. So these are sympathizers, sympathizers to the Ukraine side. So, and then... You know, and the article
0: basically goes on to say that the that um, that they that the cyber partisans, is what the name of the group is called, have apparently attacked the Belarusian railways. Uh, in late January, the group said it breached the agency's network, encrypted data, and demanded the expulsion of Russian troops and the release of political prisoners. Um, and I guess they've kind of had... Access ever since, and they're you know, and then we have, <laughs> and then we have the article goes on to state that. Um, and we're going to talk about anonymous in a minute here, so I don't want to kind of you know spoil it. But we have two ransomware groups, Conti and the Cooming Project, that they pledged on Friday to attack Russia's enemies, adding new and complicated wrinkles to the mix. So, um And then Conti's public position apparently upset someone with access to the group's data, uh, including hundreds of files outlining the group's training, recruitment, and chat logs. And so basically somebody on the inside of Conti released operations information about Conti as a result of Conti taking the stand that they're going to back Russia and help Russia in this event. So we're seeing fractions within the hacking groups as a result of everything that's going on. No different than what we're seeing on the ground, in my opinion. Randy's shaking his head. I know he wants to jump yeah. in.
2: No, mm-hmm. I'm just uh, I'm just agreeing with you. So
0: you,
3: you mean, this,
0: I, this is like, uh, as I'm reading this, it's fascinating to me that this is kind of how kind of things are playing out. Um, you know, really hard to – Really hard to run a run a criminal operation when you have people who don't align with everything that you align with, right? I think
1: that's going to be the side effect of this, though. Is, is these groups are just going to they're going to be a lot more selective. They're going to implement different things uh, to to fine tune their processes and, and and make sure that everybody's on board. Uh, so we might see more splinter groups, but you know the, the groups that we're seeing, I think, are going to be uh, you know a lot more tight and a lot more uh, secure internally to make sure that they've got that
2: that common uh, goal. I read a couple of weeks ago of one of these hacker groups. If they got into a computer and it had the Cyrillic keyboard installed, um, that they didn't do anything. Um, you know, basically looking at who's who's Eastern European, who's Russian, who's Slavic, and then basically saying we're not going to target you know those people. So somebody was suggesting installing that keyboard if that's your if that's your main line of defense you're in big trouble
3: yeah
0: so i guess this brings up a question for that i have if you're if you're one of these hacktivists if you're one of these people who says and let's not let's just talk about the people who say that they're going to hack back against russia or do something against russia or do something against a group that they feel is supporting russia right if your business gets hacked um, by Russian hackers and, you know, maybe in the ransom note there's something in there about, you know, Russia and how great they are and they support what Russia is doing in Ukraine and blah, blah, blah. Let's say that happens to you. I'd like to hear from all three of you on kind of your perspective on, like, do you feel like, where, I guess, where's the line in the sand that needs to be drawn between the good guys who are doing it for hacktivism Right. Because like it's I almost feel like we could get into this tit for tat, eye for eye type situation where you have criminal hackers who are doing criminal things. And then that gives somebody who's not necessarily a criminal hacker. Maybe they were a victim and they decide we're going to hack back. I think we talked about it with this NVIDIA. Right. NVIDIA claims that they hacked back. We don't really know what that means at the end of the day, because there's very little information about that. But where's the line in the sand between what you can do back to the person who's hacking you, you know, versus what you should do, which is go to the authorities and report it. So uh, just, you know, does war change that perspective? Does, it, does the line move because of this situation? Um I personally think that if you're going to engage in this type of activity and you really don't know what you're doing, you're potentially making things worse mm-hmm. uh, for for everybody, for the whole situation. And, you know, you probably shouldn't do it on your own, you know, if you're not involved in law enforcement or you're not involved in the military or the CIA, you probably should be, take a more defensive posture than an offensive posture, but you know, that's kind of my opinion. What do you guys think?
1: I mean, this is all new. This is basically the wild west. And I I think that that comparison holds up, you know, it's, it's, it's like the wild west where you got everybody running around, kind of taking the law into their own hands. And and this is going to devolve and then evolve into, you know, having some uh, security and things in place to prevent that from
2: happening in the future. Yeah. You gotta be careful. Even in a time of war, um, not to get in trouble with the law and get entangled in breaking the law. Um, so like Andre said a little while ago, this is still illegal um, to hack back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be very careful there. Um, and then like, uh, like Ryan said, you know, it is going to evolve. Um, and this is gonna be a huge part of future conflict. Um, it's gonna become bigger and bigger Um, so, so yeah, that's my, my two cents.
3: Yeah. I would say right now you got bullets flying everywhere. And if you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're more than likely not part of the CIA or some other government agency, and you just need to lay low and protect your systems. Um, and, and just, you know, head for cover as they said.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's gotta be more of a defensive posture at this point. And if you do end up being a victim, don't, don't hire somebody who says they can hack back or don't go on the dark web looking for your own mercenary hacker to kind of get back at the people. Really bad move, uh, in my opinion. It's not the time for, for that kind of stuff, but it is the time to understand that this can happen at any time and it's time to shore up your defenses. So, and this brings us to another interesting kind of, you know, we talked about here, we talked about you know, the different sides of this and who's, who's doing what. Um, And I'm going to bring up this anonymous uh, article that we have as well, but I kind of want to think, I want to talk about something that I've been thinking about as we've been talking here. And that's basically, you know, we're on the precipice of some of these countries that are involved in these cyber attacks being deemed, um, terrorist organizations and a lot of this is being done under the guise of war. And I think it's important that we point out because we know what's going on in the industry right now, especially in the cyber insurance industry, that a lot of these cyber insurance policies and a lot of your insurance policies have exclusions around mm-hmm. acts of war. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. want to jump into that and talk about that along with you know, kind of what we're talking about here with these mercenary groups, but you know, how concerned are you guys that a lot of this stuff that's going on right now is eventually going to be deemed an act of war? And anybody who gets hacked, anybody who gets hacked from now until the end of this thing has the potential in my mind to have their claims denied under that under that guise. And what do you guys think?
3: That's, that is a very yeah. good point. I, I, I did not think of that. That is like, and for anything for the insurance not to pay, you know they're going to do it.
1: And, and well, now they're doing it in the name of, of, of these entities, right? So all of these these hackers that are coming up and saying, hey, we're going to you know uh, stand up for Russia and do this, or we're going to stand up for Ukraine and do this. Now, all of a sudden, if they didn't have those legit ties to those nations to begin with, they've got the uh, um, you know
2: connection to them now. So they can very easily be turned around. And and you need to remember your, your cyber insurance doesn't protect your reputation. Your cyber insurance doesn't protect, you know, it doesn't stop you from getting hacked. Um, I mean, yes, it's there. So you don't end up shutting down your business in six months that, you know, you get some cash so you can fight through this and get back going instead of going out of business like most businesses do. So, so bottom line is, it it may get to where this is considered an act of war, and you don't get any money back. But it shouldn't be your it shouldn't be your main this is not your main cybersecurity um, you know uh, strategy. Here is your cyber insurance. It is uh, it is something to fall back on when everything else fails. You got to have good strategy on the front end in place to try to keep that from happening. To do everything you can, and remember, like Andre said early on in the show. This is like a spray attack, man. They are, it's like they're shooting shotguns everywhere. And, you know, it's like people going through a parking lot of 10,000 cars. They're running through that parking lot right now, checking every single door to see if it's locked and look, just lock your dang door, lock your dang door and do some basic things. And you, you, this could just blow over instead of, instead of it being something that ruins your business and then they don't pay, um, the insurance company doesn't pay because it's an act of war. Yeah, you
1: don't you don't file an insurance claim without having some sort of uh, discomfort or suffering in order to get to their, that point in the first place.
0: Right. And, but the the issue is, uh, you know, for me, is is that like you said, right, we're we're in very uncharted territories and, and business people need to be aware of that. And at any point in time, any one of these groups can be deemed a terror group or or. An agent of the country, the invading country, right? If a if a hacking group like Conti says we are backing the Russian government, and in a year we find out that Conti was really just a bunch of Russian agents, you know what I mean? And then the government decides, okay, well then that group we're going to label a state's you know sponsored. Uh, organization. And then the insurance companies are going to turn around and file lawsuits against all the businesses that they paid for to have that group, you know, remediated. They're going to turn around and they're going to sue everybody that they can to try to get their money back when that happens. And that's, that's the reality. And I, and that's a big thing that people need to realize is like insurance is happens and is there for you in the moment that it happens, but that doesn't mean that that payment is going to, if they decide to pay, All your bills during a cyber attack, that doesn't mean that they're not going to come after you or some of the vendors that you work with to recoup some of the money that they paid out down the road. This is something that we're seeing all the time now uh, with with insurance, especially cyber insurance, where, you know, they come in, they pay out on claims and then they start looking around and deciding who they can go after to try to recoup some of that money back. Um, And this is very much reality. So. Anything else you guys want to add?
1: No, uh, Stephen, uh, we got a, a comment, a question about the, the tried and true security practices and if they will be enough. Um, my first question to that would be, what do you consider the tried and true security practices? Because depending on who you talk to, you, know, you, you go out to a business and they say, oh, well, we've got security, we, we've got antivirus. That's, that's not enough anymore. Um, I think if you boil it down, like what would really make a huge difference is, is to get consistency across the board where small businesses are practicing the fundamentals at the very least. Um, I think insurance is dictating a lot of, of what the, the tried and true security practices <laughs> Are now and will be in the future um, by, by implementing these things and these conditions. But you know, things like making sure that you have MFA on, you know, simple things, making sure that you have good password policies, making sure that your staff isn't writing stuff down or using the same password you know, across the board. The, the way that these these threats are emerging, it's 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 really moving fast and there's a lot of stuff we need to do. But if we just did the essentials, we'd be in a lot better place. And the fundamentals, we'd be in a lot better place now. Uh, You know, had we started doing that five years ago, and these these attack groups wouldn't have the type of funds that they have to play with right now.
3: Yeah, if you look at the probably the the, some of the biggest attacks, it's not because it was such a comprehensive attack; it was just because somebody left the front door open, Mm -hmm, and that's how they got in.
2: Yeah, and I and I would say that you need to constantly be studying and learning about the changing landscape, what is tried and true. Um, And, and also we, we mention a lot in our podcasts about zero trust and zero trust is one philosophy that really allows for the landscape to be changing constantly. Um, And that's, there's a, you know, some things about zero trust is trust. No one, you got to verify everybody. You assume the bad people are already in your stuff. And so you assume that when you send an email, a bad person's going to see it. You assume when you send a text, a bad person's going to see it, and so you do you do things a slightly different way because you're assuming somebody is there with 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 zero trust. That's one way that we can you know s- stay ahead of the changing landscape. But at the end of the day, the tried and true is constantly evolving, constantly evolving, constantly changing, um, and you know maybe not by seconds and by by days, but definitely month to month. You know, we research. We see things that are that are new on the horizon that we got to deal with, um, and you know that becomes part of our tried and true uh, stack, if you will, um, of what works. So,
0: so just real quick, a couple of minutes we got till I'm going to wrap up the show. But we have up on the screen this the Anonymous Hacker Group, which if you guys don't know, Anonymous kind of exists as a loosely knit group of of hackers, hacktivists, that are out there to basically attack countries who they feel oppress um, their society, they anonymous has threatened the United States back when, you know, George Floyd and all that stuff was happening. Um, They take on a lot of different um, causes. And, you know, they're, they're usually anti government type people in a lot of ways. Um, and, and they're recruiting people to join them to do this. Uh, when they first came out, I remember seeing stuff like they were going to try to hit, um, the, um, industrial control systems in Russia and things like that. To my knowledge, they've only been able to unleash DDoS attacks on certain Russian websites. As I mentioned, the the Russian military site has been down since the start of the invasion. Um, so what do you guys kind of think about this group and what they're doing? And, you know, do you have any, any other thoughts on, on what Anonymous is doing? And do you really feel like they're an effective group or they just kind of like I almost view them anymore as like kind of like script kiddies that are just a nuisance? Like they just create nuisance type noise on the Internet. They don't do anything major, in my opinion.
3: Well, they've had a track record. I mean, they've been around since 2010. Um, I, I can remember like obviously WikiLeaks, um, Sony, um, YouTube, they did something with YouTube. So they have a track record. Um, how effective are they now, especially with a lot of the things have changed. but um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. And although earlier today I said, you know if you're in Minnesota, Minnesota, don't uh, you know? Don't try to do anything, but at the same time, anonymous. If you can slow the slow rush down, I would say go for it.
1: I, my other question with with a group like that, though, is 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 how many people operating, you know, and, and claiming to be a part of that group even even really are. So I think there's an element of that as well, where there's there's people claiming to be a part of that group, but you know, they're you know, to your point, just script kiddies who were trying to play along.
0: Mm-hmm. Randy,
2: that one I can't really uh speak to, like uh, Andre said, you know they do have a a track record um how effective are they man i I really don't know enough to 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 speak on that. I've had a certain impression, but I also know you know that they have some pretty uh strict standards on who they'll bring into their organization, so I don't know man,
0: yeah, I don't know either, but you know we see it happening all over the place they're. They're recruiting people um, looking for, they're also recruiting Ukrainian cyber security or cyber professionals to try to help them. Um, so we'll see, we'll see if they have any impact. We'll see if they have any, any effect on what's going on out there. They did claim to hack a um, Belarusian weapons manufacturer. Apparently that was, that was helping Putin, but nobody's really sure if, if,
1: anonymous was really behind that or not. So, um, you know, we'll see. So, Brian, I think another interesting thing about these groups in general, too, is, is that, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, we talked about them, you know, uh, aligning themselves with certain nations, certain nation states, but I, I think they're kind of becoming their own nation states in a way individually like you know, we've got all of these groups with the individual politics and they're finding out that, you know, just by having a computer and a keyboard that, that they're able to influence things. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this develops over the, the next few years as, as they start realizing the type of power that they have.
0: Yeah, that's scary. Yes, um, unfortunately, I mean, cause we I think about this all the time, right? We, and this is the other thing I think about all the time. I'm, and I'm going to, kind You're about of say to give me, everybody
1: nightmares aren't
0: you well no i'm going to say one of those things that i always say that's you know that probably gets me in a little bit of trouble but i really believe that the best talent is on the good side if if the best talent was on the bad side companies would go bankrupt mm-hmm. the best talent is on the good side which which is a good thing like the guys that i think are the best of the best that i've ever seen are are out here defending companies fighting the good fight fighting the war uh andre said it earlier hackers are lazy and i got a other few choice words i could use for hackers and and who they are and what they are as people um but at the end of the day you know the world as as much as we're you know kind of sounding in alarms and it's you know i don't look at this as fud i look at it as, as reality like people need to wake up to what's really going on out there and stop burying their head in this sand and I kind of hate the word FUD because um, you know it, it really is you know we're in a situation where we are on, in a, uncertain times and there is a lot of doubt out there um, and if that makes you fearful that's kind of who you are I'm not fearful of any of this stuff because I know in the end we're going to win this thing uh, and everybody's going to win this thing that's on the good side um, and we'll see where, where it goes but I'm um, you know, I'm here to tell you that that the right brain power, the brain power is on the right side of, of where this needs to be, of the good side, the defenders, the people that want to secure the networks and and help businesses flourish and be able to do what they want to do. Um, you know, they, these people are on the good side, and these are really talented people. Uh, a lot of times, we find the vulnerabilities way before the bad guys do. Um, and that's kind of the world we live in. Um, and that's why you need to make sure you're updating your stuff and doing all the things that we recommend that you do on this channel. Um, and that's all I'm going to say. So if you guys want to throw in words before we wrap it up?
1: To that point, Brian, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think the, the the knowledge advantage is on the good side. Um, the the problem that I think we have right now is the financial advantage is, is on the other side. And how many times have we worked with clients who had uh, didn't have the budget to properly protect themselves uh, that got hit, and then all of a sudden they had the budget, which was a lot more money to recover. Like if we can just, you know, start getting businesses to to invest in what needs to be done and cut off that funding for the bad guys then those folks on the good side that have the 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 brain power to really make a difference and stop this kind of stuff uh can really get going and 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 make a a big difference so
0: in a nutshell you're definitely right i mean the world has to wake up to the fact that you didn't have to spend money on these types of things 10 years ago and you do now um and The world needs to readjust on what that spending needs to be and where uh, and how much needs to go into it. Um, Because I hear more often than I should that, you know, companies think that they should be paying, you know, 1% or less of their total revenue towards this stuff. And that's just not the world we live in anymore. So. All right, guys, we're 50 minutes in. Anything else for the for the good?
3: Well, going back to the good and the bad, and I know the U.S. has, uh, and we talked about this in the show before, the U.S. has its strategic reasons why, but just sometimes I think from my point of view, if we got a headline on CNN or Fox that says, you know, NASA or U.S. cyber defense or military, whoever did a cyber strike on Russia or did a cyber strike on something, it's kind of like, yay, one for the good guys. But right now we're kind of looking at it as like, man, we're... We're being, you know, pummeled right now. Like we, we don't know what we're doing. We're we're like just sitting ducks. So, um, but but I know why, because obviously that starts other w- wars and and things like that and problems. But just want to see something on the headline that says, you know, we know what we're doing. All this money we've spent is is being, you know, actually being. There's something being done right now.
0: I think there's things being done behind the scenes, but I don't. I think. Like you said, if we do something drastic, we gotta expect something drastic in return. Yeah, um, you know, and we're, we're we are a country that has a lot of infrastructure within its borders in terms of AWS, Google, uh, Azure, and those things can be attacked, <clears throat> and that's you know, and I think our government is fully aware of that. Like there could be a DDoS attack on. On Azure, on Microsoft, on Amazon, AWS, uh, that they would have to defend and they would have to deal with, which will cost you know time, money, people, resources, um, and and I think we're very in tune to the world we live in today in terms of how we're going to respond. And you know, I think subvertly there's things going on that we're not seeing that we're not aware of, and you know, I'm glad that there's no big flashy thing and you know, the other thing too is, is remember, share the show, as Randy said at the top of the show, like, like our show, we're on YouTube, go to Facebook, we're going to keep bringing you updates on what's happening with cybersecurity around this Russia, Ukraine invasion. Um, And remember, these cyber attacks that are happening, again, you have Sony under or not Sony, uh, Toyota under attack, you have Bridgestone under attack, you're not hearing about this stuff on mainstream media, there's Too much other stuff going on right now with a pandemic and a potential, you know, war in Europe where they're not going to cover those attacks. Plus, you know, they're mentioning these cyber attacks briefly in most of the news that I see. They're not going into detail like we are on, on this show and letting you know in detail what's going on and what you can start doing to, you know, protect yourself and not become a victim of of what's going on here, because this is our reality. This is the reality we're living in. um, And you need to educate yourself as best as possible. So with that, I'm going to wrap up the show. We'll see you in the next one. Take care, everyone. See you later. Bye.